Well, let's take our Bibles, and if you would, put a finger in three books this morning, would you? 1 Peter, then Acts, and then Matthew. Maybe you're saying, Todd, why three books this morning? We've been in 1 Peter for months, and it seems like we narrow in there, and it's a microscopic look week after week. Well, this morning we're taking what we call an interlude. We're taking three of them during this series in 1 Peter. And an interlude is a moment in which we stop and look at a topic that was discussed or mentioned in the previous week's text. For instance, interlude number one was the Christian and human government, and it followed our look at 1 Peter 2, in which we saw that Peter instructed those believers to have a posture of humble submission to civil government. So the next week we paused and said, let's talk more about the Christian and human government. That was interlude one. We'll have interlude three in a few weeks in which Peter instructs and exhorts those believers how to follow as sheep and to how to be led by those who are shepherds or elders. And so after that week in 1 Peter 5, we'll stop and look at eldership. That'll be interlude three. Interlude two is today. And we're taking a look now at a topic that was mentioned in last week's text. And that topic, baptism. In fact, do you recall the verse in which we saw this mentioned? It's 1 Peter 3, 21. Here's the verse for you. Peter says this, baptism, say that word with me, baptism, which corresponds to this, and I instructed you last week to make sure that you draw a line from the word this back to the phrase, brought safely through water. That's what baptism is corresponding to, not to the saving work of the ark, but just being brought through water. He says, this now saves you. What he's saying is baptism now pictures you being brought safely through water. That's what it does. And so I won't go into all the details of that message. You can listen to last week's message. I think there may be a problem on our podcast platform currently with last week's message, but it is on our YouTube channel. You can check it out there for a fuller explanation. But here Peter is not saying baptism saves you as in the mechanism that the ark provided in the flood or that Christ provides in salvation. He's saying it just brings us safely through water. It is the rescuing moment that's pictured. And so this is what we're going to look at this morning. What else does the Bible say about baptism? What else should we learn about baptism from the other parts of Scripture? And so... To do that, I've asked two of our elders to join me today, Scott and Mike. So you guys want to join me on the platform wherever you are in the room? You saw Scott earlier as he led us through communion, and Mike, of course, looking for Mike. There he is right there. Y'all join me on the platform, and while they come and get settled, I want to kind of talk you through some things about baptism. Our other two elders, Travis and Dale, are both uh, preaching in places this week, uh, today and this week. Dale has been um, our point man in Carlisle for several months ago. A church there called us and said, we need some help. And so we prayed and his elders said, yes, we'll help you. And so uh, he's been helping there on a regular basis. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, we have some pretty fantastic news to share with you about that opportunity. Uh, Travis is on some vacation time this week, but at the same time, he's preaching up in Pennsylvania. So I love it when our elders do other places what they also do here, don't you? And to love our, our elders and how they preach and teach and shepherd. So this morning, you're left with us three, and that's it, all right? We're missing yeah. two. 
Um, but while they're settling in, I just want to share with you a little bit about how this morning is going to go. I'm going to share with you briefly some things about baptism. They'll have the opportunity to comment on that, and then we're going to hear their stories and then take some questions. So have your phone out in the service. Make sure it's on, but in silent mode. And if you have a question about baptism or the text that we look at, just text them in. You see the number on the screen, and this would include those who are live in the audience, or if you're watching online, they'll have your text, and we'll see if we can get to yours. I suspect there will be many, and we'll just tackle them question after question. Our goal is to be done by about 930 and in fact, today we'll end this service with a baptism and we'll see actually displayed everything that we're learning today. So briefly, let me share with you three more things about baptism Then these guys can comment on that. If nothing there, then we'll hear their stories. Here are three things about baptism that you ought to know. Uh, this isn't elementary, but it is at least, uh, I'll say, basic in the sense that every believer should know these things about baptism. First of all, baptism is an obligation of the church. I'll give you three truths from three texts. Here's the first one. Baptism is an obligation of the church. In other words, Matthew 28 calls the believers of Christ to this action. Do you see what the Great Commission says? To go and make disciples of all nations. And what's the very next word? Baptizing. And it's not in a suggestive form. This is not like if you get around to it. It's the first visible identifying public mark in the process of making disciples. Now, understand that the, the sense of Christ's command when he says make disciples is that we're, um, and I'm going to use this word, I don't think it's a bad word to use, but it can have a bad connotation in our culture, but it's basically recruiting people. In other words, we're, we're preaching the gospel, we're sharing the, the truth about Christ's death and resurrection, and we're asking folks to believe, to confess that, and as that occurs, as they join the family then here are the identifying marks of those people. They're baptized, and then, watch this, they're taught to obey. The text says, teaching them to observe. A lot of times we hear this in church and we say, hey, teach them everything Jesus said. That's not what the Great Commission says. The Great Commission says, teach them to obey. So watch this, church. The marks of a disciple in this order are baptism and obedience. That's the marks of a disciple. That's how you know someone is now following Jesus. The first of those being baptism. And you see this just modeled uh, in Acts when the church began. So just understand, it's an obligation of the church. We, as a body of believers, are instructed to go make disciples, to baptize them, and teach them to obey. These are our marching orders. I believe this is the mission of the church. We're to equip you to do this. Now, there's another word for this idea of the obligation of the church. It's the word ordinance. That sounds a little fancier, a little less uh, um, intrusive to some people. There are two ordinances. They are baptism and communion. And what we mean by an ordinance is it's something the church is to do until Christ returns. By the way, there are some who think other things are ordinances as well. I won't get into that here. We see in the Bible there are at least two ordinances, baptism and communion. So this is an obligation of the church to be involved in this till Christ returns. One other note about this aspect. Here's how you can keep the two ordinances in mind simply and succinctly. This really helps me. When you're thinking about uh, communion, it's many into one. Say those three words with me. Many into one. 
That's why we're told to wait for one another. 1 Corinthians 11 through 14 in those chapters. The communion portion talks about waiting for each other. It's because when we drink and partake together, we are showing we, at least in this way, are identifying as one body on this truth. We have many preferences. We have lots of things we can actually disagree on biblically, right? But here's one we cannot disagree on, and we're going to take time regularly to make sure this is visibly, tangibly seen and felt. And so we wait for each other, and we show in communion it's many into one. But baptism is one into many. Say it with me. One into many. It's the way an individual shows, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I have believed and confessed, and I want to publicly identify with those who call themselves followers of Jesus. I want to join the many. Make sense? So communions, many into one. Baptisms, one into many. In regards to baptism, it's our obligation. It's the church's ordinance. Second truth from another text. Baptism is obedience to Christ. I draw this from Acts 2.38. Here the scriptures say this. Peter's preaching, and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the phrase, and be baptized, is really a consequential phrase. So it could easily be translated, even grammatically, we can prove this case, it could say, repent and then be baptized, comma, every one of you in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and forgiveness in Christ's name, those all go together. The idea of being baptized is the step that follows the repentance and the forgiveness as the way to show I'm now one of those people. Notice that it is an act of obedience. Peter here includes the idea of being baptized He's following the Great Commission just in the same kind of preaching mode he would of repentance. In other words, it's not really an option. You don't get to like check, you know, yes or no on this. This is what we do as believers. We trust in Christ, we receive forgiveness, and we're baptized to indicate and show that. Uh, by the way, while I'm on this point, I just want to make one other small note here. This is really an act of obedience. And if you want to really grow as a Christian, hear this well, church, it is all about obedience. In fact, I would say to you this, obedience is the miracle grow of your Christian life. Now you say, why do you say that, Todd? Well, first of all, understand this, that we often say, if you want to go read your Bible and pray and serve and witness and share. Like, those are all true. I would never minimize that. But all those are under the category of what? Those are all acts of obedience. We're reading in the Word. We're praying. All those things are just acts of obedience. And if you want to really grow, then just put your yes on the table to whatever God says and do it. And you'll find that you'll begin to grow as a Christian in ways that you've um, rarely experienced. And this is why some of you are so stuck in your Christian growth, is you have yet to obey one of the very first commands of being a disciple. And you can think about other commands that you may, bis may be disobeying that does stunt your growth. They prove this to you scripturally as a before I move to number three, and that's this. Peter said, interestingly, Peter, Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 
but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word knowledge there is the word experiential understanding of. So when Peter says to grow in grace and knowledge, he's not saying grow in your head facts. He's not saying accumulate information so you can pass a test. He's saying grow in grace and in the knowledge. In other words, the, the experiential understanding of who Jesus is. In other words, you've heard him and you've done what he said. That's what that word means. Peter and all the New Testament writers clearly understood that obedience, hearing and doing, is the key to seeing your life as a disciple really mature. And according to the Great Commission and the pattern of Acts, obedience is usually and often the very first way to obey our new master Jesus once he saved us and delivered us and forgiven us. Third truth, third text, and then I'll let these guys speak into this or share their stories. Truth number three, baptism operates according to a pattern. This is Acts 2.41. This is just after verse 38. Look how the scriptures record their response. Acts 2.41. So those who received his word were baptized. That sounds like repent and be baptized, doesn't it? Sounds like making disciples and baptizing them. And then it says this, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what and who was added? Followers of Jesus were added to this existing group already. Something was growing. So we say it like this at First Family. It's a good three-word way to describe the pattern, the biblical, normative, New Testament pattern of baptism. Watch this. Conversion, immersion, distinction. Will you say it with me? Conversion, immersion, distinction. In this verse, as well as every time the word baptism is used physically in the New Testament, it means to dip. I've shared this before. I'll share it again. When I eat chicken nuggets or french fries, I don't take the ketchup and put it on the french fry. I take the french fry and put it in the ketchup. You know what I do? I dip it. That's the same word for baptism. We put the person in the water, not the water on the person. That's the biblical normative pattern. Conversion, you must believe, receive his word. Immersion, dipped, dunked, baptized. And then distinction, you're added to something. It's not some nebulous concept. You're now part of a group of people who are called followers of Jesus. And the way you publicly and promptly identified that is by saying, in front of them, I'm one of you, and you're baptized to show that. So three truths from three texts that are basic in one way, but aren't they helpful just to review and realize, yes, I believe this. Like, that's, that's the group of people I'm part of, that it's an obligation of the church. It is obedience to Christ, and it operates according to a pattern. So guys, comment on these texts or these truths if you want to. If not, we'll begin with Mike and just hear your story of baptism. So Mike, you're up. Um, <laughs> I was baptized. Um, my, uh, my history is uh, my mom was a staunch Catholic. So after I was born, um, the story is told that I was baptized as an infant. Uh, and, uh, and this is a long story, but um, mom and dad uh, put us up for adoption. I was adopted out. And 
uh, got into a Bible-believing home, took us to Vacation Bible School, came to know Christ at Vacation Bible School, and after that, um, we were taught in, in, in our church that uh, once you receive Christ, you, you get baptized. So um, I'll never forget that experience of getting baptized after Vacation Bible School. I, I met with a pastor, and I came out of the pastor's office after giving my life to Christ, and there was Mrs. Oles. She was our, our Sunday school teacher and our VBS worker, and uh, she looked at me and she hugged me and gave me my first kiss by another woman. So uh, <laughs> other than my mom, it was a great kiss. And uh, and then uh, that later that weekend, uh, uh, we had a little baptism service and uh, and I was there and Mrs. Walls, I can still see her at the back and um, she uh, she was so excited. Me and a buddy of mine and she uh, prayed a blessing over me and she said, you know, I think God's gonna use you mightily and in, in, in a great way and, um, and she gave me my second kiss. So I think she was just doing that to, anyway, uh, but uh, it was all good. Um, and then, um, and, and for me, then later on when I was kind of wrestling, well, what does it all mean and, and how does this all, all go about? Um, I, I came to understand, first of all, I went through several phases. My first phase was, was well, hey, I, I was baptized as a Catholic, I was baptized as a Baptist. Hey, I, I got two bases covered, all I have to do is cover a couple other religions and then I'm good to go. Um, but obviously that, that, that wasn't the best way to think. And the more I study scripture and the more I understood and worked with other people on what this baptism means, is, is, is what, I love what Tato's saying too, is, is that it is a point of obedience. And I've struggled with some people as they wrestle with this, maybe you're wrestling with it too, about, well, you know, I accepted Christ, but I haven't been baptized yet. Um, I, I would challenge you just to think, kind of one of the things I, I went through is, is at what point do you say this is your life or you say this is God's life and I'm giving my life to Christ? And one of the things I remember working with one guy in particular as we were kind of working through it, he says, I don't need that, you know. Uh, I don't need to get baptized. It's like, and he was struggling with all these other issues in his life. And it was so blatantly obvious to me that it was an issue of obedience. And until you can settle that issue about whose life this is, you're going to struggle with this issue. And so I want to encourage you, just resolve it and be done with it. Todd asked us to do this earlier in the week, and um, I found myself sitting in a meeting, uh, and I started playing with my wedding ring. And um, I can be married without my wedding ring. I don't need my wedding ring. Um, but as I was in that meeting, a boring meeting, by the way, <laughs> um, I started playing with it, and I, I started thinking about when um, Leanne gave it to me. And I had that moment then. And then I got to thinking about what I'd be saying here today. And I had a moment of reflecting on that day when I said, uh, and I stood before our church, and I said, from here on out, I choose to be a follower of Christ. And I told everybody in the room that I was, from here on out, going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I had a moment. So if you haven't had a chance to do that, you're missing out on a powerful moment that God affords to you. Hmm. So you actually had an experience of being baptized in a non-biblical right. pattern yep. and then the biblical pattern. Right. If I can just be that blatant with you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mike, for sharing. Scott, any comments on the text we looked at or your story, however you want to approach that? 
just one comment on the on the text with the Great Commission there. Um, whenever I think about the Great Commission or Acts one eight things like that of Jesus's last words to us, I think as a as a dad, I think if God came to me and said, "You have two minutes, and then you're coming with me," tell your son whatever you want to tell him. I'm probably not going to tell him to brush his teeth really well, or I'm not going to tell him to, you know, do other trivial things. I'm going to tell him the things of first and most importance. And so mm. when we think about that, you know, it meant that much to our Lord to include it in his, his last words, words to us. So it's, it's important. It means that much to him that he was baptized. Mm. And so, um, even if it seems like something that's maybe just, well, I, I don't get saved by it, so it's just kind of a side option. Um, I don't think he, Christ sees it that way. Amen. So, um, my story is not terribly dissimilar from from Mike's. I grew up in the Methodist church. I was sprinkled when I was an infant, so I don't I don't remember anything about it. Um, went through all the confirmation classes and things you were supposed to do and, and uh, didn't really have a, a relationship with Christ. I was very thankful that my mom took me to, to church as, as a kid because I grew up in a home where my mom was a believer and my dad, dad wasn't. So I was, I've always been thankful for her taking me to the church and not making it something that was foreign to me and then going to college at Iowa State, got involved with Salt Company and got saved and so at that point, after that, I felt like I didn't, I didn't choose this. I don't even remember it, and I wanted to, I wanted to get baptized um, for the for the very reason of making that choice, showing my allegiance, obedience to Christ. Even though I did not want to go in front of everybody and give my testimony, because the church we were at, you had to give your testimony and and all that, and I was. I was nervous about that, but I knew it was, I knew it was the right thing to do, so. So you too had an experience in which you realized you, you needed to be baptized biblically, not mm -hmm. just get wet physically. Yeah. Can I ask both of you, I know that you were younger, so it might not have really been an issue, but how hard was that for you to kind of process, and how did those who were part of that hear that where you were? You might dishonor them. I think there's some people in our church who maybe struggle with like what's it going to say to those who did that will it be a dishonor to them or kind of help us process that would you i'll start with you scott sure yeah no that i mean that was very real to me just being completely honest when i did it i knew my dad wouldn't it wouldn't matter to him but um with my mom um i didn't tell her when i did it i did it without telling her and i regret i regret doing that um because it would have been a great opportunity to to just share that truth with her and another opportunity to, to pour into my dad. So I was, I was immature, young, long time ago, 19, 20-year-old <laughs> kid. So, um, yeah, I, I would say don't, don't let that stop you. Don't mm. let that Well, that and yet, stop I, you. I, let me jump in. I, I would think that, and you touched on it, I, I would think that if you had a chance to tell your, your parents what a great teaching opportunity to them, and what parenting to me, would be upset that, hey, I'm growing in my faith and I'm going to take this one off. But nine times out of ten, most people, when they're infant baptized, or they go through or they seek out infant baptism, 
they do it as a dedication to the parents. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to I I be careful I don't overstate that, but a lot of times that's what people do. They, they look at, hey, we want to have our baby baptized as a dedication of us, and we're dedicating this baby to, to the Lord. And so somehow it, baptism, we've got attached to it. So, um, but I, from my perspective, I think what a great opportunity and what parent in their mind, if, like if my son came to me and said, hey, I've decided to get baptized as an adult, I'm, I, I would be excited about that. Um, and, and I think, hey, that, that's really good. So mm. I don't know if that answers it. Yeah. I just think it's helpful for our people to hear from our elders that you have two elders that had to process at different ages, though, this idea of like, okay, what happened wasn't right or biblical, and I need now to obey the biblical pattern. And I think there's people in our church who struggle with that and... Um, they, they, I, don't want, I want to emphasize, too, that on, when it comes to baptism, that this is an opportunity to teach the community. It says something about ourselves. And it, um, I, I feel uh, like when I was praying through what, what I would be saying, I was thinking about what, what in my life have I been impacted through the experience of baptism. One of the greatest experiences that God used in my life as I've sought to encourage people in baptism was Leanne and I had the opportunity to go to Papua New Guinea on a missions trip to work with Marilyn Laszlo. Um, and she had finished the translation of the, of, of the New Testament. And uh, in setting it up, they said, we're gonna do this celebration and all that of the New Testament. And, but Mike, we want to send you out of the bush and we, where there's a village out there that we've been working with, but we wanna have uh, uh, an American come in and preach the gospel to them. We think it could be really impactful. I say, hey, sure, I'm, I'm game. I don't know the language, but if you have a translator, I'm there. So we go in there, we play soccer. I get up there and I, I preach the gospel really simply. It took way too long because the translation is terrible. And then I go to ask people, do they want to give their life to Christ? And I ask people to raise their hands. And nearly everybody in the crowd of about 100 people raised their hand. And I thought something got lost in the translation. So I did it again, and the same people. And my translator said, Mike, give it up, they got it. You don't have to move on. So I said, okay, so for tomorrow morning, if you're serious about following Christ, let's gather down by the river, and we're gonna walk through baptism. So we gather real story, quick stories, there's little nuances all along the way, which are really intriguing and see how God worked. But when we showed up at the river the next morning, the whole town showed up. So I get in the water, I have two guys with me, a translator, and one by, they line up, literally the entire town, except maybe for two or three people, came and got baptized. The line went all the way through. Nobody said it was eerie how silent it was until the last guy went through. He was an old guy. They had somebody help him into the water. And so I say the word something like, you know, just as you're giving up your previous life, you're you're, you're giving your life to Jesus Christ now. You're buried with Christ, symbolizing going into the water. And you're raised with Christ, symbolizing coming out of the water. And now you have a new life. As soon as he popped out of the water, everybody on, um, on, the, on the shore started cheering. And as he was walking out of the water, my interpreter says to me, you don't understand what just happened, do you? And I said, I have no clue. He said, that was the village witch doctor. Hmm. His entire uh, wherewithal, his, his means of making income and, and all that, he was renouncing. 
tremendous man of respect in the community, and for him to stand up publicly and say, mm. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I dare say everybody in this room has influence. You have influence. You have people looking at you. They're making decisions about their own life. And you have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity to identify with Jesus Christ and to say, this day forward, I'm giving my life to Jesus yeah. Christ. And that is a very powerful message. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Just this morning, I received an email. Some of you may have received the same thing, but one of our partners today, a new convert is being baptized. It's in a closed country, um, very difficult part of the world, unreached people group and unreached area, but doing the very same and thing. And it, they've thought about it because it's like, this is not going to be an easy thing. It will mm -hmm. be clear where I stand at this moment. And, and some people, so, they under threat of their life. Yeah, so good they, story. They can accept Christ personally, but if they go through waters of baptism, that then... People know. Yeah, people know. Yeah. Hey, thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, let's take a few questions in the last oh, 10 minutes we have remaining. We'll, we may get to yours. I'm not sure. These were texting texted in earlier. I'm going to kind of do a couple, three of them shotgun fashion, or maybe I should say rapid fire fashion. I'm going to start with you. Okay. Let's see if we can answer three or four pretty quickly. I'll go to you the second one. I'll take the third one. Here's the first one. What about baptism and age? Is there an age requirement? Uh, there's not biblically. Um, I can just kind of go back to my experience with my son. Um, he got saved when, when he was really little and We'd come to church after that, and we'd see baptisms, and he'd lean over and say, Daddy, I want to get baptized. And so we'd talk about it at lunch that day, and I'd find out, why do you want to get baptized, Jotham? And he said, well, it looks like fun, or I want to go swimming, things like that. And I was like, okay, we need to work on your understanding of it, because I think it just, whether you're a tiny little boy or, or a grown man, knowing why you're doing that is the important thing. We're going to ask you those same questions, whether you're seven or 77, as to what's your desire to get baptized and, and what's, what's the process for, for doing that. And his attitude's changed. And by the time he was seven, um, it wasn't because he wanted to go swimming or things like that. So, yeah. so he had clarity. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Thanks for that answer. Mm -hmm. There is some room in there for variance, by the way. I don't think it's wrong if someone says we have an age in which we... We kind of make sure that a chronology perhaps like, okay, this is a, an age in which they probably begin to understand. So I don't think it's wrong to think in terms like that, but to answer the question so well, you did. There's not technically a requirement, just clarity. Mike, question two here. Is it wrong to be baptized a second time? And I'm assuming this question, what they mean is they know they're already born again and were baptized, but maybe looking for some type of re-identification or some type of like restatement. I don't know. This is not speaking of the person who wasn't baptized biblically. Yeah, and, and that's where my mind actually goes to. I think, I think uh, if you were baptized wrong in the, in, and didn't have a clear understanding of what it was all about previously, then I'd probably encourage you to go ahead and get baptized. But let's say you get baptized, you understood what was going on, you're standing up and declaring your allegiance to Jesus Christ, to the community at large, and then uh, you kind of fall away and then you come back, and then you say, well, you know, now I feel like I need to get baptized again. 
Eh, that's probably not necessary. I don't. I, I just don't think that that that's inherent because you made that as long as you understood what happened at the first time, um, and and, um, and I think that you're just coming back again. And um, I, my my understanding is is that's not necessary. So, Would you say it's wrong? I don't think it's wrong necessarily, but it's not necessary. It's like that's a good answer. Yeah, it's not necessary. And if I use the illustration of the wedding ring again, I it's just like you. You, you get a wedding ring in, in, when you're first married, and then you, you take it off for a while, and then you pick it up again. I mean, do you really need to go get another wedding ring? I, just the, good, the, old, the old one is good enough, Just right? put it on, right? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just... Uh, okay. Uh, again, I don't I think, think it's wrong, necessarily, but I don't... It's not necessary. And you're kind of making it a play thing, too. You don't want to do that. Mm. You don't want to say, oh, I'm in again and out again, and... That just yeah. That's not it, it, it's good wisdom. Yeah, it just I think I think you want to make sure you in. I'm I'm going back and I'm fulfilling what my original vows were, and I'm going to try to live up to it this time. Yeah. And um, I think that's what I I would come back and say. Two questions that really are kind of in some areas where there's not a clear verse, but yet we have to right. provide some wisdom. That's what elders do and try to help you navigate that as well. Here's third question. I'll take this one. Does Acts 16 approve of baptizing infants? It does not. Uh, that's the passage with that once the jailer received Christ, he went to his house with Paul, and he and his household were baptized. But if you read the context, um, verse 32 and 33, I think it is, they actually have this phrase more than the baptizing phrase. In other words, they were taught the word of the Lord. So when they got to the house, they taught the household the word of the Lord, which would be synonymous with they taught them the gospel, what it meant to be saved. And then it says about the household, they received the word. That's an Acts 2 type of phrase, meaning they were converted. So I think you have to do an incredible amount of textual gymnastics to say Acts 16 approves of baptizing infants. What it says is this, you can be saved and baptized as a child. That's what it says. So let me throw this at you. Is it wrong? Well, I'm not, okay, you're going to throw it at me right here? <laughs> okay, I guess I'm ready. Go for it. I would say if you're baptizing an infant and saying they're saved eternally, that's anti-gospel. If you're simply saying, this is a way to dedicate a child, it's a way to show that we're committed to their um, you know, nurturing so that they then accept Christ when he reveals his grace to them, that's a different ballgame. Right. But the reason I don't think baptizing emphasis is helpful is because it's, it's so confusing. We should shoot as church leaders for clarity, right. not confusion. And to be frank with you, in some places where they baptize infants, they never really say what's going on. Right. You notice when we dedicate infants here, it's just through a moment with you, but we say, this is not us saving a child. You probably know that, but we want to be ultra clear all the time if we can. So I, maybe you don't like that answer, maybe they don't, but I think if we're saying this is what's saving a child, that's anti-gospel, that's not helpful. It may actually be sinful. Right. But if we're just confused and we're trying to say one thing, but doing this and we've not been clear, let's just clear up the language and let's... Uh, for the sake of our sheep, man, let's lead with clarity and courage. Yeah, so and I threw I, that back at you. Is that okay? Yeah, no, yeah. And, <laughs> okay. I, and my, my struggle is, is we have parents that are really trying to act in the kid's best interest and their children's best interest, and they really don't know. And so they, they get told or brought up in an environment where everybody baptized their kids, and so mm -hmm. they think they're doing the honorable thing. 
And I don't fault them for that. I don't necessarily. No. I think it's part of that culture that they were brought yeah. in. But God calls us to a higher standard, right? To study yeah. the word, understand what we're doing. And by you virtue people being here and hearing this message, I think you're called to a higher standard. And now at least consider, you know, did we do it right? And, and going forward, how are you going to encourage your kids and your grandkids and uh, our sphere of people? But that's what burdens me. Like your story, I mean, that, that right. people in church don't know this. Right. Can I just be very frank? Right. I mean, I... I want to say it's not on you. It's who's 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 preaching in that place, right? Like, can we just bring straight and clear and kind truth about something that's not hard to understand in the Bible? It it's, right. it's, it's saddens me that there are congregants who just never been told this. Right. That's how I hear that. That's my profession, and that's just that's just that's a loss on our part. I'm feel badly. Let's go to the next question so I can quit uh, being in the way of this guy's machine gun here. Okay. Um, why not sprinkling? And I think this is another moment just to have a quick answer. It's just not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting to look at the history of how sprinkling got started too. It just, just doesn't feel right. And the word baptizo, literally, when they went mm-hmm. to translate uh, the from Greek to English, they came across this word, and the, the church was the England church was starting, and the church was starting to, to sprinkle, and they literally created a new word, and because they knew it was going to be so controversial, rather than interpret what the word meant historically, they literally created a new word because they uh, uh, they knew it was going to be so controversial. It's like That's the, how we got the word yeah. baptizo. Yeah, it was just transliterated. They take the yeah. Greek letters. Put them in English and you get baptized. It's the same as deacon. Yeah. They just take the Greek letters and put it into English, and that's what we call them now. But this is with reason. It's to symbolize the death mm-hmm. and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. It's hard to do that with sprinkling. Yeah. Hmm. You were sprinkled, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was just thinking what you were thinking too is how does this. Yeah. The same as. Yeah. You know. The sprinklers, though, they say it's a washing of the blood. You know, it's that, that's what they, they would mm-hmm. probably symbolize that. With. But anyway, it is what it is. Let's see if there's any more questions that have come in on our text line. This is a question for Scott. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. What would you say to someone who says they were already baptized as an infant? So what would you say to them? I would say if, if you're a Christian and, and you were already baptized as an infant, that the word says really that, that you should get baptized as a believer. Um, you know, that's the pattern of the Bible as we were kind of preparing for this today. I just looked through every instance where baptism shows up in the Bible, whether it was Jesus being baptized by John, whether it was the Ethiopian eunuch, whether it was the jailers and his family, it's all in the same, it's all in the same way. And so for me, I would feel like, well, if this is what the Lord's calling me to, and it is, like I said before, it's some of his last words, so it's of great importance to him, similar to going and making disciples, um, baptizing them, I would, I would feel obligated like, well, then I want to do what the Lord says. Hmm. So, Good answer. Maybe we could just review our three words that show the biblical pattern. Can you say them with me? Conversion, immersion, immersion, distinction. 
Let's do one more and then we'll wrap it up. This is a question for Mike. And you guys are so nice. Thank you. What would you say to someone who was baptized earlier in life out of obligation but didn't feel like they were truly saved until later? Should they get baptized again? Quick, to me, the quick answer is yes. Because if we follow the three steps, right? Conversion. So when, when were you saved? Right? When did you give your life to Christ? And then, and then go from there. So. And I think this is where our language trips us. Yeah. And it's out of kindness and it's probably out of hospitality. But actually the question isn't should they get baptized again? The question is should they get baptized? Right. Mm-hmm. True? Right. Because previously they just got wet physically. They've not been spiritually baptized. And so I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be clear. If you take the biblical pattern, you're right. That, that the question actually is not again. But. Right. And if we said, should you get baptized? You would say, the Bible says yes. So uh, here are our hearts this morning, church. We in no way are trying to pretend to be experts and we're not trying to dishonor experiences that you've had. These two have had similar ones to some of you who come from mainline denominations who have different uh, viewpoints on this. What I've tried to shoot for, what we've tried to shoot for, is just ultra clarity based on the word. And if there is perhaps some like, you know, angst, or like, hey, I want to talk to you later, and your finger's kind of already ready to kind of do this, hey, we'd love to talk with you. Our hearts are not against anyone. We just want the greatest amount of clarity so we can have the greatest amount of obedience. Amen? Because remember this, baptism is the first public distinctive act of identification. And I'm willing, and I hope you are, to be known as a devoted follower of Jesus. Baptism is the first way we say that to people. In fact, why don't we watch that now this morning as we wrap up, can we? I'm going to turn over to Stan on my left here. and Stan's got a tremendous story of Maddie Lever, and I'll let her, she'll, she'll share that. But man, let's rejoice together now for a few minutes, church, and then we'll go out with one closing song. Stan? Yes, so I've got Maddie here, and I just want to get baptized today, so just want to ask you, would you just share your story um, with everybody? Sure. Um, bear with me, please. <laughs> um, my name is Madison Lever. Um, I grew up in a Christian home with parents who loved the Lord and taught us who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. Growing up, I was involved in Awana Youth Group Kids Church on Sunday mornings. For the last 25 years, I have known who Jesus is and what he did for me, but I have not actively pursued him. I knew of the right language to use, how to act, what to do, but I never fully put my trust in Jesus Christ. A year ago, almost to the day, my fiance accepted the Lord, and I vividly remember him saying, I feel free. A weight has been lifted off my shoulders, and I realized that I never had truly felt that. Three weeks ago on Father's Day, the Holy Spirit broke me down, and I realized that I have never truly trusted the Lord with my life, and I knew it was time to give my life to the Lord. I sat with Stan in one of the children's rooms in the back and gave my life to the Lord fully. I am thankful for how the Lord relentlessly pursued me for the last 25 years. I am getting baptized today to show that I am unapologetically all in for Christ and will proclaim him who he is and what he has done for me to those around me.
I'm not going to add anything to that. Um, I'm just going to tell you what you're going to see. Again, you, this is what you want. Like, and we've been talking about this and it's like, praise God for like a godly upbringing and godly home and, and, um, training a child in the way that they go. And I think what, as we've been trying to give clarity to, to what God has done is just clear that God has totally won you to himself and uh, you're wanting to publicly display that. So again, as we've heard, the, the biblical clarification of this is just the water, there's nothing, mad. we're not washing away any sins. Jesus does that. That's why he died on the cross for the forgiveness. This is just a display that your trust is, is fully in him. And so um, the band's gonna play. Uh, we're gonna put Madison down under the water bring her back out, invite you guys to just cheer loudly, and then you just join the band in as we worship together.